everyone and welcome back to the Android Central podcast. My name is Shruti Shaker and I am the editor-in-chief here at Android Central and I have my lovely friends with me today, Jerry Hildenbrand. Hello. Howdy. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you? I am actually doing really well. Good. Poor Jane. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I've got Nick Sutrick with me. Hello, Nick. Hey. <laughs> are you doing okay there? I'm, I'm a little frazzled. I... I... <laughs> spilled an entire cup of tea on my desk right before we started so i just hope that your electronics are safe and good yeah i mean everything seems to be running still so <laughs> <laughs> running still <laughs> running still yes just dump every just dump everything in rice that's right i imagine there's a big line of ants at the window rubbing their little hands just waiting mm-hmm. well, there's, <laughs> there's no sugar in the tea so maybe not oh okay <laughs> Oh, man. And I've got Andrew Myrick with me. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Okay, let's get started. We've got some fun articles to talk about. And I'm going to start off with Qualcomm. Um, You know, I kind of wished uh, Derek was here with us to talk to us, but um, he's not. He's currently soaking up the sun in Hawaii, where the Qualcomm Snapdragon Summit is currently taking place. And of course, as you all our readers might be aware now Snapdragon has revealed its latest set of chips. Um, and we're going to talk about two different articles that were re- that were written this week uh, based on that. The first is from our writer Harish. It's titled, Qualcomm's ambitious AI bets are reliant on device makers. Um, Qualcomm rolled out a lot of exciting AI features, but whether they'll end up on your phone is down to, l- to the likes of Samsung and Xiaomi. Uh, I'm I'm gonna open up the floor. Who wants to start talking about this? And and I I this article follows something that Andrew wrote that went up this morning, and I think they kind of tie in nicely with each other. So why don't we start off with this article? Who wants to Who wants to give their thoughts about Qualcomm? I think it's really interesting to see Qualcomm pushing these new features. Um, I you know just the features themselves are really cool. Uh, the the video um, magic eraser I think was probably the most impressive of all the things they showed, but but it's also interesting to see that device manufacturers aren't necessarily jumping on whatever train Qualcomm decides to pull up to the station this year. Like like in the article um, they talk about the all the gaming stuff that Qualcomm announced last year, right? And we haven't really seen that on uh, any phone really. And a lot of device manufacturers even lock frame rates on their phone instead of going for all the stuff that Qualcomm was trying to push. So I, I'd i really love to see more manufacturers take advantage of these things, but I almost wonder if it's not worth Qualcomm's time and effort to do all this stuff if these companies aren't going to bother with it. Why wouldn't? Why would they not, though? I, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, like, I, Jerry, do you know if this is down to a licensing thing? I Well, it could be. But I, Qualcomm has to make the hardware capable. Sure. But that's where it ends. That's, that's you know, they, they make APIs to use the hardware, but everything that we get we, to see and stuff like this also depends on software. And I can easily understand why, let's say, Samsung or Xiaomi or one of the other leaders in in smartphone market does not want to spend the time to do something that they show off that's not as good as what Google already does. They have to internally develop these tools and make them as good or better than you see on a Pixel phone or it just makes them look bad. So I, I'm not going to say these features aren't in development stages in products we never see, but I can understand why they're not releasing anything just yet. Sure. I also wonder about the performance versus what Tensor does, like um, whatever Qualcomm has shown off. Is it when we get it in our hands, will it be as good as Google's as far as quality, as far as speed? I mean, there's a lot of factors here, right? Yeah. Again, that depends on the software. Google has the, the benefit that they do the hardware and the software and make them work, work perfectly together. This requires Samsung and Qualcomm to make stuff work perfectly together, and that's two companies versus one. Sure. But I I just feel like, I guess, maybe my question's dumb. Like, why wouldn't companies want to roll out some of these new features or use some of these 
new technologies. Like, I mean, wouldn't you want, isn't, isn't that the natural trajectory of most development of technology and, you know, companies yeah. wanting to put out new devices and, it, you it's know, price. Okay. Fair. It's all, it, it's always about the money. Yeah. I, Qualcomm would love to work with, let, let's just say Samsung. They're always a good example. Uh, you know, the Snapdragon 8, what is it now, Gen 3? 8 Gen and, 3, yeah. Yeah, and the new AI tricks. Qualcomm would love to work with Samsung and develop a, a phone that takes advantage of all of that hardware and can do all of the things that Qualcomm talks about in one package. But that phone's going to be four or $500 more mm -hmm. because somebody has to pay for that. Samsung isn't just going to say, yeah, we'll eat the cost of all the development of this. And the S25 is just going to do everything and it's not going to cost any more money. That isn't going to happen. So are you saying that Samsung would then try and replicate what Qualcomm is doing and or Tensor is doing in-house? I'm, I'm sure that they're working on doing just that. Uh, it's like you said. But definitely everybody that sees this is impressed whether you use it or not is another story but it's impressive to see samsung would love their name to be attached to that impressiveness so they're they're almost certainly working on you know what it can do what we want to use and trying to perfect it in-house but when it comes to actually releasing it they that's the point where they've spent so much money they're satisfied. Now somebody else has to pay for it. Okay, so this makes me ask the question then, what is the future of our mobile industry? You know, let's say, for example, you know, Oppo, Samsung, Xiaomi, whoever, you know, they, they choose to not work with, you know, with this new chip because it's too expensive to, you know, acquire what is the state of our mobile future? I mean, the point of companies like Qualcomm doing stuff like this is to showcase what's the future of mobile computing, mobile devices, whatever you want to call it. Where are we going? What are like are we going to are we going to consistently see mediocre devices that are being launched by Samsung, you know, and all of these other companies um until they maybe release one device that might be that future forward thinking device, but then go back to releasing mediocre devices? Or are we going, like, what does that look like? Mediocre is the bread and butter. Mm -hmm. What we call mediocre, you know, hundreds of millions of people call their next phone and it works just fine and but they're more than happy they, with it. Do you not believe that they've been conditioned to believe that? Maybe a little bit, but also. They're conditioned to know I'm not spending a thousand bucks when I can spend four hundred dollars and this thing works just great. I'll use it for the next four years. Okay, fair. That's the most people aren't smartphone enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. Uh but when it, when it comes to the smartphone enthusiasts, I, I'll call all four of us here enthusiasts. Sure. You have one phone that can take stable diffusion and make an image for you. You have another phone that gets three hours more battery life. Which do you want? The one, I mean, personally, the one with the better camera, but, you know, that's just uh, Yeah, well, camera aside, they can have a good camera and then focus on things that they know people want better. Battery mm -hmm. life, mm -hmm. uh, you know, features like cutting out, uh, the way the Pixel can remove background audio hiss. Right. That's a feature that, that I know Samsung would love to have and they're working on. I know this. Mm -hmm. uh, all companies would love that because that goes hand in hand with your, your, you know, you're taking video with your phone. We tell you how great the video is. Wouldn't it be even better if you didn't hear that the neighbor thing. kid screaming? Right. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that's where Google is really winning here, right? Because they're. Yes. The small things. Yeah. And they're combining both too. You have the 400, you know, 450, $500 phone in the A series. And it still does all of that stuff. It still has a great camera. It still has the tensor that can do all this on-device stuff. It kind of makes me think about what we talked about last week. Would Google ever lease out its chip and compete with Qualcomm? 
And I, I, I'm going to ask that question again. Do you think that that is possible? If we look at Qualcomm's 8 Gen 3 chip, and when it starts to, you know, sign off contracts and that contract is more expensive and Google says, hey, here is our chip and it is slightly less than what Qualcomm's offering. I still believe that that is a big possibility. But the, the problem there is then Google also has to give away the software secrets to take yeah, advantage of okay. any of that. Yeah, okay, fair, fair, fair. And fair. that's, I, I imagine there's a struggle at Google that one division would love to sell more Tensor chips to the Samsungs and Oppos of the world. And the other division says, yeah, but there's so many trade secrets, we just can't do that right now. So I, 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 I can see both, both sides of that argument. But I think what's more important to me is three years from now, when the Snapdragon 8 Gen 3, God, that's a stupid name. But anyway, <laughs> when it's cheap enough to be in $400 Samsung phones, by then, will they have some of these AI features sussed out so your Galaxy A series in 2027 will be able to remove background audio noise or use you know stable diffusion i think that's who they use to make a photo appear bigger because they can fill in the edges yes those those kind of things people would like to use they'd like it even more if they didn't have to spend however much phones will cost in the next five years Mm. you put that on a mid-range phone and and that's going to sell sure which which is why again i think the pixel a series is such a great value um I don't think Google will uh, source out or sell Tensor because um, they've already proven with other Pixel stuff like Pixel Camera that they're not interested in uh, making these Pixel things part of the greater Android ecosystem. They want them to just be Pixel things. And I think that core experience, the camera, the AI stuff, those are really what make Pixels different from every other phone on the market. And I, I have a high confidence that they will not abandon that as Pixel-exclusive stuff, that they won't let other companies use it. Yeah, that is so good for this industry and for the consumers. On, on the surface, it doesn't seem like that's a good idea. We, why can't Google sell that to the Samsung phone because I like Samsung phone better. Right. Yeah, that, that's one. The other side of that coin is you like a Samsung phone better. Samsung is also really has some incentive to try to replicate or, or even do better at similar features. And so does Qualcomm and MediaTek and everybody else. And if everybody is trying to give us more things that we love, we're going to get better stuff. Sure. And that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know, so for years, I have wanted Google to bring Google Camera proper to the, you know, Android ecosystem as a whole, uh, which would help a lot of phones, right? You have companies that are still lagging behind in their photo and video taking. And just having the Google Camera app on those helps a lot, as we've seen from the gazillion different Google Camera ports on, you know, places like XDA or whatever, right? Right. Um, but I, I, what you're saying also makes a lot of sense. You know, Google having a strong Pixel line that is a fantastic alternative to these other companies. It's like, I, I don't know how I feel about it anymore. Like, I, I still would love to see them bring Google Camera to most phones and maybe just offer it as like a a basic option like okay this thing this thing takes better photos uh it maybe takes better videos who knows on that front but definitely better photos and then leave the other features for pixel devices so stuff like the motion mode and a lot of those other things would still be pixel exclusive but by bringing the base google camera to all android phones you could bring up that baseline image capture quality of all of them, and then more people would go, yeah, Android phones have great cameras. And it wouldn't be like, oh, well, only these phones have great cameras, not all of them. Yep. Uh, you, you remember when the, the first Pixel came out and the camera was just, oh, my God. Yeah. It was something that nobody was used to and how that kicked 
Apple into gear to make the camera on the iPhone so much better in the past three or four years. Sure. That and Samsung, their cameras have just gotten so much better. They, you can say Google has a better camera, or you might think that Apple has a better camera or Samsung, whatever. But because one company did something that was so much better, all the other companies out there had to get it in gear. And now we have choice. We we can pick basically from any manufacturer and get a good quality camera experience, even if. On paper, it's not the best. Sure, and I mean, Google's been pushing all this, all this stuff really for longer than anybody else. You, you look yep. back at HDR Plus on the Nexus Five, right? This is—I don't even know when the Nexus Five came out. Ten years ago, something like that. Something like that, that. Yeah, that was probably ago. the first phone I can think of that used. I don't. I don't know that AI is the right term. Maybe it is, but you know, it was more than just. Um, taking a handful of pictures at different exposure levels and combining them. Like HDR Plus was a very, very next level technology that we didn't right. see from any other company for a very long time. And I don't think, I mean, nobody does it as good as Google still, even if some other companies now use similar technologies or similar concepts, right? Right. Google has a big head start there. Yes, they, they really do. Another company is never going to catch up unless Google stops. Because Google is always going to be ahead, the gap can narrow, and I believe it has narrowed a lot, but Google still has a big advantage in that area because they pioneered doing that one thing, and they're always going to continue to work on it. Well, it's interesting that you're saying that because our next article kind of basically goes into how the complete opposite argument of how Qualcomm can actually you know, help Google and Google would be able to benefit from Qualcomm. And it's Andrew's article that was published this morning. It's titled Qualcomm is getting it's sorry. Qualcomm is betting its future on AI and Google could benefit the most. And specifically, this article talks about, you know, uh, Sam, uh, Snapdragon X Elite. Um, and I want Andrew to talk about it because I think this kind of this entire argument is not necessarily the flip side of the argument, but it's it, it kind of gives a different perspective on, you know, how Google can actually benefit from what's what Qualcomm is doing. So, Andrew, why don't you walk us through this article? What 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 intrigued you about um, Snapdragon X Elite? Uh, yeah, I mean, this started out as another I was going to I was going to end up beating the drum again about uh, uh, a pixel book from Google. You powered by this new chip. And then it turned into like the more I wrote and the more I thought about it and the more that I like researched, uh, there's more to what Qualcomm has planned than just, oh, give me a Chromebook that's, give me an ARM powered Pixelbook. I, I'm trying to figure out like the best way to organize my thoughts properly. Basically this like the Snapdragon X Elite, the biggest thing is is the Orion, the custom CPU architecture that they're using, which their Qualcomm is claiming. Uh, now nobody has these devices in hand yet. They have like demo units at the Snapdragon Summit, but uh, there's no you can't go try this out for yourself or or buy one. They're claiming, you know, that they can match Apple's M2 chip, which is currently I don't know the right way to phrase it, but it's probably the best on the market unless you want just raw power. Um, it's definitely the best in terms of... The M2 gives the best performance without using a ton of electricity is a very blunt way to yeah, say it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it lacks in graphical performance because you can't, like... there's there, You won't find an RTX or an AMD graphics card in here. Right. Uh, onboard graphics only, and it's locked down pretty hard. Qualcomm also already stated that they're going to be bringing the custom Orion CPU set to the Snapdragon 8 Gen 4 next year, a year from now. Meaning it's not going to be the it's not going to be the same chip, but it's going to be basically what Apple's done with their iPhones and the iPads where they take the Apple M2 chip and then at least with the iPhones, the Apple M2 chip and then they shrink it down or or, or they turn off some of the cores and slap it into an iPhone and call it the A17, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So that's what I that's what I think that that Qualcomm's going to be doing with with their 
Snapdragon 8 Gen 4 chip. I was going to say, for me, this chip was the most exciting thing that came out of this summit. Yeah, I want to let you finish your thoughts, but... <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree. I mean, it's... They kept talking about AI and the form factors, which was which is what sparked everything, because the form factors sure. for... Because it's an ARM chip. You know, it's not... It's not it's not supposed to be as power hungry as, um, you know, what you can get in a, the latest Surface Laptop Studio 2 or whatever the hell it's called. Right. Um, but the, and, and seeing those kind of seeing that kind of dwindle down to or, or yeah, dwindle down to the to the mobile side, the Pixel 8 Pro is all AI and that's all Qualcomm kept talking about. So it will make a lot of sense if they work together in the future. I agree. And then, you know, I just to quote your article, because I think it kind of sums it up really nicely as well. You say right on Qualcomm's overview page for Snapdragon X Elite, the company states that this chip is built for AI. What did Google just announce at the beginning of the month? Chromebook Plus. And along with new initiative, Google revealed the platform also offers powerful AI capabilities. Many of those AI focused features won't be arriving on Chrome OS until sometime next year. But at least for now, we know that Google has big plans, and to me at least, it's it almost seems like the Snapdragon X Elite and future Chromebooks could be the perfect pairing. Like, I genuinely feel like that kind of sums up this entire article in, in the sense that that is where Google is going to succeed the most in, right. in that partnership with, with X Elite, right? Like, if it wants to become a leader and consistently be a leader in Chromebooks, then then this is the pairing that it needs to have. At least that's what I gathered from from what you wrote, Andrew. All of this that everybody's talking about, uh, a week before that didn't get any press, NVIDIA now makes an ARM consumer CPU that runs Windows. And NVIDIA ARM chips are way better than anything Qualcomm has ever put out. So that's what I'm more excited about is did they see what NVIDIA had been doing? And you know these companies all know what each other are working. For sure, 100%. Yeah. And with the, the notice that, hey, NVIDIA is trying to get back into this game, we've got to step it up. Is that going to make this better? Because I'll be honest, Qualcomm and Windows, I've never been impressed. Well, it's not just Qualcomm. It's ARM and Windows. That's, that's another thing I was going to bring right. up, too. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I've not been impressed. Uh, I, I, I want to be impressed. So I hope that these two things are like butting heads against each other, NVIDIA and Qualcomm, right. to make one of these companies work harder. I, I think, though, it's not really NVIDIA or Qualcomm that's going to make this experience best. It's Microsoft. Right, because they're the ones that have to do the hard work. Right, we we need a Rosetta level um, interpreter for Windows on these things because if you just have an ARM version of Windows, you're going to have some stuff in the Microsoft Store and you're going to have some capability. You know, you'll still have like the the Android uh, emulation and things like that. But at that point, it's just a glorified Chromebook because you don't have the thing that makes Windows truly good, and that is its compatibility with a quadrillion pieces of software that have been made over the last 30 years, right? Like, that's really what makes Windows, uh, you know, basically the best desktop OS, not because the OS is good, a lot of people would argue otherwise, but because you can buy a Windows machine and run everything. There's no limitations to a Windows machine, right? It runs all the stuff, which is why they are so good and why so many people use them on a daily basis. And having this type of hardware where we're going to get these extra layers of performance and, you know, the, the mobile style power usage and things like that, that's really great. But we have to have the software back end. And I'm, I'm just not confident that Microsoft can do this right because they have never shown the ability to do this right. It, they can't. One thing that Apple was able to do that Microsoft just can't is let's first off, let's abandon everything 32 bit. Screw you. Your stuff isn't going to work on our new products and we don't care. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's fine. 
Right. The enterprise keeps Microsoft from doing that. Microsoft can never do that. Yes, but this is not an enterprise product, right? So if, if they can go into this mentality with the, the I'm sorry, this product with the mentality of this is only a consumer product and we're going to develop it that way and we're going to have our separate enterprise products, which makes them, you know, a crap ton of money anyway. So it's not like they they have any fear of, of losing that market or need to abandon it. I don't know that they can fork windows off like that and have a, a, an entirely new operating system that's just designed for consumers and and one just for the enterprise i don't think that that can be done uh they, they say it on the box you know windows pro windows professional you know and all this uh, windows home but just because it says it on the box there's no difference it's just a few features that are locked out if you don't spend more money but I, I don't think they can make what we want without starting deep in the code base and just going from the ground up like Apple did. Right. Uh, and Apple's still not quite there yet. It's not perfect. No. And it, Windows already has a big lead. There, Windows uh, uh, 11 on ARM has been around longer than Mac OS on ARM. Uh, but Apple came in with that advantage that they could just ditch a whole bunch of luggage old baggage and and start working from the ground up to make it better and microsoft just can't do that and i understand why they can't but they've got to figure something out yeah but you, you know what runs well on arm chrome os yeah yes. oh of course and like that's why i say like it would make perfect sense for google to do something with qualcomm they're already working together on stuff it would make a lot of sense to me for them to do an arm like an arm pixel book do a, th yeah. this is the new reference device for chrome chrome os yep and and you know a chromebook using this again as long as it has adobe which has been the reason i have not bothered switching to a chromebook since ever because i, I still can't get proper photoshop and stuff on it right if they could get that and they could use this platform my gosh, I switched to Chrome OS in a heartbeat. I don't. I I think the Adobe's done. They they did their it, in the web stuff that they showed off alongside Chromebook Plus or before Chrome. They announced it like six hours beforehand. Right. I, I don't. I don't. If if that was going to happen, it would have already happened. Do you know? I actually used Photoshop natively on a Chromebook once because at one time Adobe, you you know, it never got released. But under an educational license or enterprise, I forget which one it was, they had a Photoshop project that worked in Chrome OS. And it wasn't without its bugs, but it worked. They, they completely abandoned that. So I don't that think they care. Me. I don't think they want it to be on Chrome. It, it would even be nice if, like, Parallels finally came to the consumer side. It's on the enterprise side. But it's not on the consumer side because then you could use just boot into your Windows VM. Yeah, and performance isn't going to be as good as the computer that Nick's using or that any of us are using right now. But it'll probably be good enough because these 13th gen chips, as it is, even last gen, they're pretty damn good. And if Qualcomm's, right. if the Snapdragon X Elite is as good as Qualcomm's saying it is, it's going to get even better. Right, and, and at least for me, I'm just using Photoshop. I don't use Premiere, and the only video editing I do is, is pretty simple stuff through like CapCut or some of these other lighter pieces of software that you can already get on Chrome OS anyway. Like, I just need Photoshop, and you don't need crazy performance to be able to run Photoshop. It might take a little longer to render your stuff, you know, or, or run some, some sort of on-device uh, AI call, but that's okay. I, don't, I really don't mind that. I just just want it to work. <laughs> we know the hardware is capable because there are image editors that are much more complex that run fine, albeit a little bit slow. Are you talking about GIMP? On, on Chrome. Yeah. yeah. GIMP, GIMP is a good example. It runs just fine on, on a Chromebook. It's slow, yeah. but GIMP is slow to start with, even on amazing hardware. Uh, it also does a lot more than you can do with Photoshop, but it's not easy to use. Therefore, it's not popular. So it's not the hardware holding it back. It's, it's, it's got to be Adobe. They don't want it to happen, and I don't know why. And Yeah, and I don't understand that either because, you know, obviously Chromebooks are huge in schools and stuff. Wouldn't, 
Wouldn't it make sense to Adobe? But no, it, it wouldn't because, well, unless schools would pay for it because the licensing of Adobe is very expensive. And unless schools are willing to spend that kind of money, like already, like, I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know if, if they would be willing yeah. to do that. I, I looked at this once and couldn't find an answer. But my gut feeling tells me that somebody is paying keep Adobe exclusive. Mm. It could could be Microsoft. It could be Apple. Uh, it could be both the way of them. Adobe. Yeah, it could be both. the The way Adobe jumped right on the the, uh, the MacBook when the M1 came about, I almost some money had to change hands there. Adobe didn't do that out of the goodness of their heart. They jumped on it on day one, but that was that was not that was not Adobe at their best. Well, right, but they at least tried. They right. they wanted to do something. They showed the effort. I would guess that a sizable chunk of their revenue comes from the Mac user base just because of the sort of assumption that gonna, Mac I, is what I'm going to be honest, though. I don't I, w- I don't know if that's the case, because Mac has their own like um, they have their own software. Why would they why would the chunk of the money come from Adobe? They do. But I know this coming from like a graphical design and 3D animation background, like it's sort of assumed in most of these industries that you have to buy a Mac and you have to work on a Mac and that's just the end of it. And there. a lot of people just don't question that. They just buy the Mac because they're told to. But that's what I'm, that, that this is what I'm trying to say. Like, why would they, cause I, it's the same with me. Like I, ha, back in the day, like I have had to only use Macs and have right. that experience because it's good for editing. It's good for graphic editing, whatever you want to call it. But I was always told and asked to use the native tools like Final Cut Pro or yeah. Aperture before this is Aperture that died. reality like, distortion field in effect again. If half of a percent of the Windows computers on the planet use Adobe tools, Adobe makes more money from Microsoft. Because nobody outside of a, a core group of people, nobody's buying Macs in the enterprise. Nobody. No, nobody buys Macs in the Enterprise. And the Enterprise is where you'll have 10,000 user workstations running Adobe tools, not just five. Right. So I, I, I think we forget that the, the numbers play a big part here. So I'm not going to say that, you know, they have some sort of deal, special deal with Apple. I'm more leaning to both Microsoft and Apple are willing to either provide money or support in ways that Google is not. Yeah, I, I think it's just also interesting to see them simultaneously pushing their cloud systems and only supporting Windows and Mac at the hardware level. Like, it's just, it's weird to me that they don't go on Chrome OS given that Chrome OS has a notable market share. Like, this is not a small platform, right? <laughs> Don't get me started there. That cloud, that's just a way for Adobe to gather your data and make money off of you. Don't use that crap. Never, ever, never, ever use it. And that, that's fair. But it's, it's just perplexing to me to see them push that so much as sort of a way to use their software on all platforms, even though it's not the same software. I Sure. I love their, uh, I, don't, I don't even know the word. I'm glad they're trying, okay? And and I'm glad. But to are see they? No, I don't think they are. Okay. It's trash. I, I'm glad to see there's some kind of functionality that's included in your subscription, right? Like that's that's nice in case I don't know in case your computer breaks or something and you gotta do stuff. Still, you're not gonna have the full experience, but at least there's something. But yeah. Why just why not put it on Chrome OS? I just I can't understand. <laughs> All right. Well, we've kind of digressed. And I want to talk about other topics. I have other topics to talk about. So let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. Indeed's streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. 
according to Indeed data from the U.S. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search according to U.S.'s Indeed data. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com ACP. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com ACP. Indeed.com ACP. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys, I want to switch gears and talk about the Pixel 8 Pro. Uh, We've got two very interesting articles that went up this week, and they were both written by Nick. So I want to start off with um, one that was published yesterday, actually. It's called Google Won't Tell Me Why the Pixel 8 Pro Doesn't Make Me Sick. And of course, this uh, has to do with Nick's case uh, around PWM, which is pulse with modulation. And if you are not aware of that, it is essentially a display trick that's designed to fool the human brain into thinking the display is brighter or dimmer by flickering the display on and off several hundred times per second. And this can cause a lot of nausea. It can cause headaches. It can cause eye irritation, uh, basically render the user impossible uh, using the phone that they have in hand. And it's been quite a bit of a roller coaster of a challenge for Nick uh, yeah. dealing with this. <laughs> but um, it's very interesting, Nick, because you when you wrote this article, I think the thing that that intrigued me the most about this article is the fact that you were able to use the Pixel 8 Pro and not have any issues. And that that when when you started using it, you immediately spoke to me and others being like, did Google use a different display, which is the reason for why you are able to use this phone and Google didn't respond. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what feels weird to me is like, this feels almost like a win, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what they did because if I run all the usual metrics and use all the usual tools, they tell me that I should be able to use this, (laughs) but for some reason I can use this phone. And I know it's not that, this issue doesn't affect me anymore because if I go use one of the other Samsung phones that I have within 30 seconds, my head hurts. Or if I go put on, you know, a pair of these uh, smart glasses with an OLED display that flickers, my head hurts within, I mean, max 30 seconds, right? Like it's, it's real quick. And I find that very mm, like <laughs> mysterious. Like it it's is. kind of it's weird that like Google would not respond or basically like, what did they say to you? They said they had... Did they say they had no comment or they had nothing to say at this time or something like that? They right? had nothing further to add beyond what was included in uh, like the review guide spec sheet they gave us, which which is just to say, actually, it doesn't even list the PWM rate in there. That's something that they won't even say is like most companies, when I ask them, they'll be like, oh, the PWM rate is blah, 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 hurts. Right. 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 But right. Google has always been like, yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> I I helped Nick look into this a little bit. and. Because the the way Android works, there's part of it that before a pixel hits consumer shelves, the source code for the kernel has to be provided on the web for anybody to look at. So that's up there. And in that is everything to do about how the, the, the display is controlled. So Nick and I, we looked through that. It's not a special display. And there's nothing special in that core software that controls it. I see nothing anywhere, and I don't think anybody's found anything, why this should be different. But if Nick's eyes tell me it's different, it's different. So... I I mean, we know that the display is different from other displays, right? It's more power-friendly. We ran an article about that yesterday, I believe. Yeah, but it's not anything special that should adjust this problem right and and if anything it's brighter than other oled displays which should mean that this is worse for me because the way pulse with modulation works is it's always on 100 percent brightness that never changes because in order to maintain color accuracy and all of the stuff that google talked about with their actual displays that launched with the pixel 8 series 
you have to have those OLED displays at full voltage levels all the time. And then what it does, obviously, like Shruti was saying, is it flashes on and off several times per second, and then it'll stay on or off longer depending on how, you know, quote, dim it is on your slider. So this thing is flashing 2,600 nits at you all the time. And compared to the previous Pixel, which was like 1,500 nits or something way lower, yeah, this should be way worse for me, right? So it's, it's bizarre that I'm able to use this. And to make things even crazier, um, somebody in the, the PWM-sensitive community went to Best Buy and was like, you know, measuring with the light meter. And they found that the one at Best Buy had a 480 hertz uh, PWM rate. And the retail one is 240. So half of that, right? And, and they figured out, oh, it's because this Best Buy model is still running the September patch. Hmm. So for whatever reason, between September and October, Google cut that in half. And it, again, I asked them and they're like, yeah, we don't have anything to add to that. We don't have anything to tell you. Okay, so all of this also came uh, at the helm. Well, the reason why you wrote this article was because uh, there was a newser that came out a few days ago um, entitled BOE Reveals the X1 LTPO Display for OnePlus 12 and Ace 3. And essentially um, what this means is that during a OnePlus conference, um, you know, talking about its new BOE displays, um, they announced this new type of display for the OnePlus 12 and the Ace 3. OnePlus 12 will feature a 2K resolution display powered by Oppo's P1 chip, which uh, with better color accuracy, less grain, and better PWM dimming. And, you know, when Nick and I were talking about him writing this article, I think part of what he wanted to address in this article was the fact that there are other companies like one plus that are being very vocal about i think it's the other part of this conversation that i find very in, intriguing is that this whole issue around pwm is so um hidden it's so secretive it's almost like oh if we talk about it we're considered a bad company like it's just so strange to me and and the fact that one plus is coming out and saying like oh you know this is what we're doing and then right. Nick, you even reached out to Samsung for a comment and they were also like, yeah, we have nothing to add to this. Like there, yeah. there's no there's no comment at this time. It's just so fascinating to me. I, I love to see OnePlus doing that. Yeah, because I, I can tell you and Nick, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for what I'm about to say, <laughs> but I'm glad somebody that writes for an Android website is affected by this problem. Sure. Because. There are other problems. I cannot wear noise canceling headphones. Yeah, you've said it that. It gives yeah. me an insane headache because my ears hear that. Yeah, uh, and I'm not alone. A lot of people have they they call it hypersensitivity. I can hear sounds that most normal people can't. Those little things you wear, you clip on that emit a noise to keep mosquitoes away. Don't be around me while you're wearing one of those because I'll just puke. <laughs> uh, and no company wants to say anything about that and it's it you know that's how this has traditionally been whereas there is a known problem where a, a certain part of the population can't use your smartphone because the display makes them sick right for one plus to come forward and say we recognize that is a huge deal yeah and and you know right after i published this i think the next day xiaomi announced that it's next phone i forget which number it even is 13 maybe 14 whatever the, whatever number they're on um is not only using the snapdragon 8 gen 3 that qualcomm just announced but it's also using a brand new boe oled panel that is uh 1920 hertz pwm so you know roughly 10 times what google and samsung use and it also has full dc dimming like um dimming for people who want to enable that option. And I'm just like, it's it's so cool for me as, yeah, like, like just, just somebody with this disability, it's really cool for me to see these companies going, oh yeah, we see you, here's a solution, you can buy our phones. And that was really what I wanted from this. But Nick, I wonder, I wonder if the reason for why companies like Google and maybe Samsung are being quiet about this, it... Again, like we were talking about earlier, it's all about the money. It probably costs a lot less to produce the type of display that they're currently using 
and causes PWM than it does to get a display that would not cause issues. Right. And and I mean, for a long time, Samsung displays have used that 240 hertz rate. Um, far as I know, since the beginning of their mobile OLEDs. And you can go back and search forums. I remember um, there was one one post on our own forums, like back in 2016, 2017, where somebody was like, hey, I just picked up this new Samsung phone and it makes me want to throw up. And everyone's like, LOL, WTF, what's wrong with you? You know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this this has been a problem for a long time. And, you know, as I've said in several of my articles, my thought was it's getting worse because one, most devices at this point flicker, it, whether it's your lights in your house, whether it's your TV, whether it's your phone, a lot of phones that there are a lot of things that use LEDs now flicker because it's the cheapest, easiest way out. It ensures color accuracy. Like it's basically, I don't want to call it the lazy way to engineer things because I don't think that's fair to engineers, but it is definitely sort of a common practice that people overlook. It's the best way to do it, unfortunately. Right. Side effect. It, it's the best way to do it to get, you know, that color accuracy, to right. get several of these other metrics that LEDs are uh, sort of known for, right? Okay, so I want to switch gears slightly because it's funny. Okay, so we, we've talked about OnePlus, not OnePlus, sorry. We've talked about, we've talked about the 8, 8 Pro, the Pixel 8 Pro, wow, I can't talk, about how weird, it, I mean, it weirdly doesn't make you, feel sick, but that the fact that Google is being very secretive about the display, but at, uh, on the flip side, the, and adding to, to how good the Pixel 8 Pro is, Nick, you wrote your camera review specifically about the 8 Pro, and your headline is incredible. It's titled, I've taken 100,000 photos with smartphones. The Pixel 8 Pro is the best. And the only reason you were able to write this article is because you were able to spend enough time with the Pixel 8 Pro without feeling sick and actually take the number of photos that you did to test out all of these Pro features, to test out the capabilities and come up with this conclusion that the Pixel 8 Pro really is the best phone out there for the camera. Walk us through that. Tell us why you think it is the best camera out there. All right. Um, so the short of it is that the main and ultra-wide sensors in particular are ridiculously good. Um, Google upgraded all of the sensors on this phone. Um, every camera sensor has something new. Uh, they pretty much all have new lenses as well. Um, and a lot of that just really kicks up the quality several notches. Uh, when you when you go somewhere like, I, I took this to an aquarium over one weekend, right? I brought this phone, the Pixel 7 Pro and the Galaxy S23 Ultra. And I took a bunch of pictures because aquariums are notably, you know, difficult places to take pictures. Extremely. Yes. Yeah. You have a lot of really bright lights in the tanks. All the rooms are pretty much dark. Like, it's very challenging for a phone. And it's glass. It's glass. Reflects. Yeah, there's just there's so many things that, are, that make it very difficult. And when you compare, especially the ultra-wide pictures and video from the Pixel 8 Pro to either of those two phones... It looks like you're comparing a thousand dollar phone to a four hundred dollar phone. Like right. the, I, I was the difference is photos. ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, that that impressed me. I, regardless of anything I read or the headline, that was all great. But once I saw those pictures, I understood exactly. Right, and I, I did not expect that big of a difference. Like you know, I figure it's probably better. A lot of times when when I compare these phones, I'm I'm very much pixel peeping. You gotta you gotta zoom in. You gotta check. Oh, this object has a slight halo because this company's HDR algorithm isn't as good as the other companies. Or you know, like like you really gotta tear apart these photos most of the time. That I'm sorry. That is so hilarious. Pixel peeping. Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Most of the time when you compare smartphone cameras. You've really got a nitpick. Like most of the and time. That's good. It, it is good. But most of the time, I would say most people don't really care about the difference. They'll look at it and go, yeah, I guess it's better, but I'd rather have a Samsung phone, you know, or something. But I don't think it's that they don't care about it. I, I think they it's, don't see it. They don't, that's what I was going to say. I don't think they see it or they know about it. They're not as, pro, as proficient as you are, Nick. A, a Galaxy S24, S23, whatever we're on now takes amazing pictures <laughs> yes a new iphone takes amazing pictures but if you look deep 
the pixel just takes better ones. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I agree. Until you start to take pictures of aquariums. <laughs> and I know this because I go to the aquarium a lot and you can't photo. I was, I've never been able to get a good picture at the aquarium. So I'm jealous. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, you know, taking pictures of stuff in an actual tank is, is hard for anything, right? This is more of like the surroundings, all of the stuff like that. I don't bother taking pictures of stuff in the tanks most of the time because the glass is just so reflective. Whatever picture you're yep. going to get, it gets ruined, you know. And I, you could use Magic Eraser or Samsung's, um, I forget what they even call it. But when you go into to the image editor on a Samsung phone, you can remove shadows, you can re- remove reflections. And that's something really cool that Samsung does that nobody else really does. Um, which is a little bit surprising given Google's AI stuff. Um, but the other AI features I, I on this phone work really, really well. Um, stuff like Magic Editor and Best Take and Audio Magic Eraser are like seriously the stars of the show. I also wonder if Google isn't automatically trying to remove shadows and reflections. It just doesn't give you the option because it's doing it for you. You think that could be the case? There's probably some of that in there. I mean, you know, when you take a photo and you look at what was on the viewfinder versus what was in the final yeah. picture, it sometimes looks uh, very, very different, right? And I, I think Google does a better job than most companies at showing you similar to the final result in the viewfinder. A lot of A lot of phones that you take pictures with the viewfinder will look all blown out or, you know, something like that. And then when you look at the final picture, you're like, oh, that turned out surprisingly well. Whereas on a Pixel, I would say most of the time it shows you maybe like 95% of what you're going to see in the end result when you're looking at the viewfinder. And I, I think Google does that really, hmm. really well. Interesting. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things that I've noticed over the years and it, it hasn't really changed at all in a long time like some of the companies will show you they call it live hdr or things like that there's there's always some kind of marketing yeah. term right yeah i don't i don't ever pay attention to that because i know it doesn't matter what i see the picture's <laughs> going to look better right so yeah. i never paid attention but it seems like google's processing the image stream before you even see it in the on the screen before you take a picture and that that interests a nerd like me yeah and i think a lot of that is is you know, the power of Tensor, just being able to to be able to do this stuff better, faster, more efficiently than than a lot of other um, a lot of other chips. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, but genuinely, I oh, pixel cameras are just they're just on they're they're on another world, like another planet. Truly, they really are. They're just you, you should definitely look at this article, but I want you to remember that the pictures you see are are not going to be near as good as they actually are because you're looking at them over the internet. Nick has shared a couple pictures in, in our internal work chat. It's just And we've insane. got to see them, oh and, and they're amazing. I think this is like a really good PSA, a mini PSA to, to consumers as well. So I'm sure a majority of people who are listening to us are Android enthusiasts, and they're, they're aware of certain things. But if you aren't an Android enthusiast or an Apple enthusiast, whatever, it doesn't matter which side you're on. I think this is a good PSA to people to start thinking deeper about the phones that you're purchasing because it can make a huge difference. It always makes me go back to like Apple users and I'm an Apple user. It always makes me think back to Apple users saying, oh, Apple has the best camera. And I always have to correct them and say, actually, you're wrong. The Pixel has the best camera and it's an Android device and it's better than what you have on your fa- in, in, in the in the iPhone. Like people really need to think deeper about what they're buying and why they're buying it and not just because of the name of what they're buying. Like, right. I just think you need to really think deeper about the products that you're buying. I, I have a good friend. He uses the iPhone 12. He hasn't upgraded because he loves it. And for him, that's a much better phone. But he bought a Pixel 7a just to carry around as a camera. I told him you're an idiot. You're carrying. You might as well buy a camera if you're going to do that. <laughs> and and you know that that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But he recognizes that this is the best phone, but that doesn't mean the cameras. The best. Exactly. Yeah. Well, okay. On that note, I want to talk about the last topic, which I was thinking about skipping, but I kind of really want to talk about it because I love kooky things like this. 
and things that you're gonna get one of these no i would never oh i would too i would never get it mostly because i hate novelty items like this like it's just it it actually you're a walking novelty (laughs) item girl (laughs) no no it does scream derek yes but i i just can't stand it when companies put out like this because i'm like why but okay if you're wondering what we're talking about and you might if you have been paying attention to the news motorola thinks you want to wear your next phone aka it revealed I don't know if it's like a prototype or if it's like a legit. It's just a concept phone. It's a concept. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's like their rollable one they showed off. Right. Right. Earlier okay. this year. So, so let me break it down. So Motorola debuted, debut, debuted, debuted, debuted. I can't speak. <laughs> debuted. <laughs> debuted. 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 Debuted is how it's spelled, though. <laughs> uh, I'm so. T- okay. For, it's Friday afternoon it's Friday and I'm tired. It okay. Okay. Cool. You've been spending too much time talking to me. Yeah. This is what happens when Derek's in Hawaii all week, and Truthy's the one editing all the stuff. Yeah, basically. <laughs> He's read too many words. <laughs> Mo- Motorola debuted debuted a new active display bending phone concept at Le- Lenovo Tech World 23. The new concept phone can be bent at any angle and worn, worn on a wrist thanks to its tight, flexible hinge and grippy fabric back. And the 69 inch POLED display can also completely unbend, becoming a normal slab-like, slab-style phone or sit partially bent on a table, revealing a 4.6-inch display. The only in, the only really remotely interesting thing about this phone is that, and I don't fully know if it's using the technology, but it almost looks like it's using the technology for a foldable device. And so... It kind of makes sense to me for like people who want to have that stylish type of novelty item, but it's I hate it when companies put shit like this out. It makes no sense to me. I would love to see the battery on the inside of this thing because that's oh, that would scare me. To me, that's the most interesting part of this. And not not because the phone is not interesting or the design is not cool or whatever, but just knowing that, you know, on foldables we tend to have, you know, dual batteries or other things like that because you're not supposed to bend the battery. Um, it, it would be interesting to see if this is just a, a battery in like the top half of it that doesn't bend or I'm, I'm just not sure how I, they engineered I'm that portion of it. going to wager it's like if you buy like a lithium-based AA battery and, and you tear it apart and don't ever do this. Don't, uh, don't, uh, um, just don't do this. <laughs> but if you cut the metal housing off, you can unroll it and it's like 14 inches long and it's just rolled up a battery that's rolled up really tightly, made up of about a hundred tiny cells with space in between them where it can bend. That could be and it. If you ever take that and drop it in water, run. That's, that's why this scares me. It, this, this is a bomb. Uh, so let's see. Two two things I want to diverge from there, right? Like, like, okay, the bendable battery thing. I don't know if LG did something different on the Flex back when they did those, but I would think that would be similar where, you know, the Flex you could bend, not this much, but you could bend it a bit. Obviously, they had to put a battery in there that could bend to some degree. Um, and then the other half of that is on Motorola's rollable, they just put a smaller battery in and they just put it where it fit and that was the end of it and that's all you get, right? So I don't... Yeah. They didn't... The thing about this concept is they did not talk about specs other than the display. The display obviously is the thing that sort of makes you look at it because it's a fully bendable POLED and the whole body bends and it stays in place and like that, that is fascinating enough um, if for no other reason than... Motorola is sort of becoming the LG that we used to have that would just experiment with crazy stuff, even if they don't release it, right? Which I think is interesting. I'm not sure if we'll see this in a final product or not, but it's cool. <laughs> I, I want to know who makes the display. I have a feeling it's LG. Because Motorola is not a display manufacturer. It's probably BOE, because that's what they use for... Uh, all of their other phones that I can typically use. <laughs> yeah, but display manufacturers are weird. The name company name that's on it doesn't necessarily True. mean anything to do with who made it. But uh, LG has 
has a long history of making extremely flexible displays. Yes, you're right. Very flexible OLEDs. And, and the last thing I want to say is, remember when we were kids, those slap bracelets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what this thing is, and it's just so stupid. It's so funny. I think it's hilarious. Small sidebar. Did you, do you know what is inside of a slap bracelet that makes it bend? Isn't it like a piece of metal or something? Probably spring steel? It, it is a piece know. of metal, but it's like, okay, if you, if you get a slap bracelet from anywhere, take the piece of metal out. You will find that it's a, like a ruler. You know one of those tape yeah, measures? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. It's that. They yeah. just cut it to like a six-inch piece. That's what I, yeah, I, I need that. It's still got the measurement lines on it and stuff. That's the funny thing. It's, it's like they took all the defective ones and were like, oh, this is a misprint. We'll chop it in six-inch segments and sell it to the bracelet people. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love those bracelets, though. They were yeah, so fun. they were great. All right, well... <laughs> On that note, I just bought 12 of them. All right. <laughs> and I'm going to cut them apart. I love it. Do it. Oh, my God. All right. Well, on that note, let's talk about the thing that made us happy this past week. Who wants to go first? Uh, here, I'll, I'll, I'll say something that's fun, right? Um, so we're doing a little pumpkin carving contest at Future. And uh, it's, it's not over yet. And I haven't submitted mine yet. But I'm sure I will by the time this podcast airs. Um, I'm actually having my chickens carve it for me that's so, so what, cute <laughs> what what you do is you take like a you know your pumpkin and you draw your stencil on it and you take um like an exacto knife or something and you take off just the outside layer right so uh you know around the eyes where you want them to peck and stuff and you 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 know make it the, the lighter layer the the softer inside and they'll just peck at it and eat it. And that is get all the stuff so inside. cute. It's, it's hilarious watching them do it. So You're a poultry nerd. <laughs> I, oh, I'm totally a chicken nerd. I can't wait to put these in there and see what people say. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> all right. Who wants to go next? It's, it's semi-work related, but I've got the Pixel Fold, the OnePlus Open, and the Fold 5. And I... last night I went out and took a bunch of night pictures for an article I'm working on. And after we're done here, I'm going to out and take some take some more pictures during the day and it's just awesome and annoying to a certain extent that i have i can fill three out of four pockets with foldable phones (laughs) it pulls my pants down it's annoying (laughs) and soon you'll be able to slap one on your wrist but i won't but i won't do that because uh no that's not happening my wrists are too big anyways it'll look like yeah no i mean any wrist is going to look weird wearing a a six point what did i say seven inch display nine but yeah <laughs> that's... whatever well almost seven inches that's that's a lot of display on a wrist that's hilarious okay uh jerry time's up your turn ah it's my turn uh i i, I do have something that made me happy uh i like to play video games and i bought Baldur's gate because i, I think it's probably a game that everybody should experience and I, there was some something that, about it that I just didn't like. Why was it so slow and sluggish? I figured out why. I had another game that caused me to jump in and try to do a bunch of things to make it run better because it just didn't like my computer system and the developers weren't very fast in doing anything to fix it. And one of the things I did was deprioritizing the one one part of my computer to try to make the other part work part work part work harder <laughs> now i truthy he got it where i can't talk uh i undid that and now Baldur's gate 3 runs amazingly well oh good so i started seriously playing it of three four months later <laughs> after after playing it for five minutes and saying man this is so good why does it run so bad for me i finally figured that out so I, I know on some games that support DLSS, I don't know what the bug is, but I know Doom Eternal has this issue where sometimes when you start it up, it'll run at like 15 frames a second. I actually saw uh, the Hitman collection is the same way, where when you have DLSS enabled, it runs terribly, and you got to like turn everything off and turn it back on again, and I can't remember what the heck you got to toggle, but you got you to gotta screw around with it to get it to work, and then you'll get your 190 frames a second or whatever obnoxious number yeah. it is, but... The, the the problem I had is the, the game was not using my GPU to <laughs> any extent. Wow. And and it, it just it ran horrible. And it was 
apparently easy to fix because third-party people fixed it. And that made me really mad. So I wanted to see what I could do without giving some dude money over Reddit. Right. <laughs> so I did a bunch of stuff and I messed a bunch of stuff up. I undid all the things and gave up on that stupid game. <laughs> and now this other game works really well. That's oh, good. good. That makes us that very game happy. Is incredible. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I always wanted to play more of it because what I could play was great. But like when I would start a fight, man, when's it going to be my turn? It's just sitting here doing nothing. <laughs> and it's because my CPU was throttled way down. There. Well, it's nice that you've been able to fix that and now you can play it no it's not i just had to think of something because i didn't prepare <laughs> fair enough okay sorry <laughs> next time be prepared uh, uh no i won't <laughs> all right well uh, the thing that made me happy this past week well as you all know october is my favorite month because of halloween and the colder weather and fall and um i recently discovered a new podcast called ghost Huns, and it's really really fun it's basically two women and they're both from the uk i think and they basically just tell each other ghost stories and it's been really really pleasurable and really fun and some of the stories are actually pretty creepy i'm not gonna i'm not gonna deny that um and then obviously you all know that i am obsessed with reading i just finished a book called pen pal it is an incredibly creepy book i have never been creeped out by a book in my entire life until now holy crap it is very very creepy but the really really interesting part is that it is if i'm not mistaken self-published and the author used a lot of help from the subreddit called no sleep which if you haven't been to that subreddit uh and you like spooky things then you should go because that subreddit is incredible and i just find it really interesting how this author self-published a book and got help from an incredible community on reddit um and then the last thing that i would like to say is how halloween is dawning upon us and i'm just really excited about it it's a very very special day for me i love halloween and that's it from me uh so wherever you're listening to us whether it's in the morning, afternoon, or night, thank you so much for taking the time and listening to us. We really, really appreciate it. And we'll catch you guys soon. Bye.